This is part two of my conversation with Dr. Elena Ivanina, where we're discussing all things fungus, candida, and SIFO. Welcome to the Well Fuel Podcast, your spot for everything gut health, detox, hormones, a healthy home, mold, and everything in between. I'm your host, Isabel Smith. I'm an integrative and functional registered dietitian and the founder of Isabel Smith Nutrition. The leaky gut, I feel like, is such like a uh, in like our world, integrative, functional, blah, blah. It's like okay. so well, but, but yeah. in the, in the non, you know, integrative functional world, I still feel like leaky gut is a dismissed term. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. I think it's just going to take time, right. In order for everybody to kind of get a little bit more on the same page. Yeah. Um, what if somebody has CFO, like, you know, what, what do you, what is the usual treatment course? Like how does one go about treating? Sure. So I usually, you know, because I have clients who talk to me and really just want to focus on natural therapy or those who, you know, are interested in just getting it in any, you know, dropping the nuclear option, right? Mm-hmm. So so depending on how serious it is, right, you kind of decide which way you want to go. So of course, there's the car, the diet route, right? So definitely mm-hmm. carbs, right? If you're talking about diet, there's no question carbs feed. Uh, sugar, carbs, feed candida, high protein diets have been shown to decrease candida, decrease even like methanogens as well. So diet is definitely always going to be an aspect and then things to optimize in your diet, right? Like garlic, Mm -hmm. garlic is definitely Mm -hmm. anti-candida, right? Oil of oregano, you know, things like that. And so there's definitely all those great antimicrobials, um, candy backed in ARBR, you know, Mm -hmm. has been, has been used. So for some people that could be an option. And then, you know, once you've kind of, again, either once you've exhausted the natural options, or if you want to try the other pharmacologic Mm -hmm. options, I usually, um, either talk about nystatin, which Mm -hmm. is a nice, uh, very easy to tolerate. It's actually used in like in cancer patients even, right? Mm-hmm. Like so people who are on other serious medications, it has like very little side effects interaction. So that's like a nice uh, first step. And then yeah. there's fluconazole. There are other right. ones because like you said, like there are very resistant strains of candida and other fungus. Uh, there's like voriconazole. But at that point, like you're seeing an infectious disease doctor, <laughs> like that, that is very serious. <laughs> It is. No, it's, it's, um, I think people are sometimes like, especially in followers, they're like obsessed with just the natural roots. And sometimes you like have to use, you know, I've been very open about my own journey and like, I am on a mixed bag of, you know, pharmaceuticals as well as herbals and, you know, yep. just depending on what's going on. But like, this is, this is to say any of this information you're hearing here, you guys need to work with a, with a practitioner. You should not be trying to, to, to do this yourself, taking oil of oregano, thinking that you're yep. doing your body good. You need to be working with somebody because this stuff is extremely yep. nuanced, especially fungal infections. Yep. They're very nuanced and they take a long time to get rid of. And they can often take, you know, that you need like a really strong um, protocol and you need somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, funny story personally, because, you know, I love to be candid as much as I can be. Um, I, I actually became anaphylactic to Nystatin while being treated with it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So I was Obviously on it. You're for six okay. Months. Cause you're here today, but holy moly. I was six months straight on it before my candida, um, candida or candida. What are we, how are we, are we? Tomato, tomato. I say tomato, candida. Tomato. <laughs> All right. Somewhere in the middle, wherever we are with this thing. Um, I became anaphylactic to Nystatin. Um, so I've had to use itraconazole um, for like all of my fungal needs, which wow. there's 
I have it as part of my Lyme protocol because they use uh, yep. either a nice center. And I love this thing. It, it's it's great for me, right? But yep. you know, you, again, different strokes for different folks. And so, you know, again, why it's important to have a really knowledgeable person. Um, so you mentioned something about being able to see changes in the microbiome based on what somebody eats. And we'll talk about the candida, candida, whatever diet in a minute. But you know, there are all these influencers on Instagram who are, um, you know, like carnivore, carnivore diet, right? Like, ooh, I'm so lean and I'm so healthy on the carnivore diet. You can measurably see the difference in somebody's microbiome, right? From um, from this, and it does a disservice to the microbiome, does it not? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's misleading because car- the carnivore diet in certain conditions, so for example, in SIBO, right, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where you are very intolerant to fiber because you have so many bugs overgrown that are processing and fermenting your fiber so you don't feel well eating fiber. When you're on the carnivore diet, you feel good. You feel good, right? There's no fiber. It's like, but it's a Band-Aid, right? And so what they've seen is like your microbiome is depleted in the bugs that produce short-chain fatty acids, which are pretty much the key to life health. Like that's mm-hmm. at least that's what we're learning. Short-chain fatty yeah. acids, you know, they feed your colonocytes, your colon yeah. cells. They have effects around your entire body. And so that's depleted. Um you know, there's no question, like without fiber, right? I mean, just in general, what we want is diversity um, in your microbiome. And so you have less diversity. And so, you know, as far as symptoms, again, it could be a quick fix, but as far as your long-term health, um, it, it's a it's it's a big mistake, and I think that you know, as I think was you know written about in what was it, like page six in the New York Post or whatever, there's one of the Insta or TikTok guys who's like the liver, who eats like all the liver. Oh, the liver and king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the liver king, right? He got found out. He was on steroids the whole time. It's not the animal, right? Like it's a hoax. It's probably a hoax. <laughs> it looks- no, and it's – thank you. I was – I I thought you would say that, but it, people can get really like hung up on, you know – Oh, like I'm gonna look. You know, they 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 go from bloated and feeling like they're retaining water to like suddenly feeling really lean and flat belly. But yeah. yep. l- l- wide angle lens here, this is a problem for the microbiome. Um, yeah. Something else I'm getting a lot of DMs about, and we can chat about is. Um, so there's a big misnomer I'm finding that um, you have to eat low FODMAP if you have SIBO. You don't have to eat low FODMAP if you have SIBO. It might help you with your symptoms, but it's not required. And it's not actually dangerous for you to be bloated or having response to foods while you have SIBO. It just is suggestive of the fact that your microbiome is not keeping up with the digestive process. Do you feel that way? Like, you know, do you feel like people have to eat low FODMAP? Do you have to keep the symptoms quiet while you're treating SIBO or like if you're uncomfortable? How do you feel about that? No, I I agree. So low FODMAP, I use very judiciously because yeah. it's like it's it's like antibiotics. Now it's like given out by, you know, doctors and who, you know, you name it like to everybody and people are on it for like years and then you're like, "Ah, you have like no bifido bacterium and, you know, um it's not good for you, right? Long term." So I always um feed SIBO when I treat it. 
-hmm. right? You don't want to starve the SIBO when you're treating it. So if you're treating SIBO and on a low FODMAP diet at the same time, I believe that's a disservice and you're not going to get, um, you know, the treatment is not going to be as uh, effective. Now, afterwards, I do consider low, like, so after, let's say either you're doing the herbal antimicrobials for a month or you're doing the antibiotics for two weeks, uh, it's really important to do some maintenance work so that you preserve the microbiome changes that you've you know established. So for the next month, I do recommend either a low FODMAP or a low fermentation, like from Cedars-Sinai uh, mm -hmm. diet, along mm -hmm. with TRF and you know time-restricted feeding, because you don't, like after you treat it, you want to give it some time to like now establish this new microbiome because the rate of recurrence is so high. But again, I only in, I don't use things like restrictive low FODMAP, especially in people who have disordered eating histories, right. right? So you have to be really careful and just more and more, you know, if you look at low FODMAP, like on the Monash app, like it's counting eight almonds, like, right. or whatever. it's like, right. if you really want to be low FODMAP, you have to count out like the yeah. number of nuts or like you can't eat like that. No. Right. It, that amazing. is not it's... a healthy, you know, healing diet. So you can no. be like, I call it FODMAP conscious or I've seen like FODMAP light out there, right? People call it something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea, you know, yeah. for a small amount of time um, after treatment, but that's it. But like really, if somebody's really symptomatic, they should be looking for the root cause and not just relying on a restrictive diet ultimately. Yeah, because right? that's it. You're just going to be stuck on a restrictive diet. As I'm sure you see, people are just stuck for stuck. years. Years. Stuck. I have people yeah. who are like, they start with me and then we like, I'll ultimately like to quiet, I like to quiet symptoms down while, especially while I'm digging, make people a little more comfortable. I'm like, this is not where we're yeah. going to be, but this is where we are for the moment. And you and I are yeah. meeting very frequently. And so I'll monitor this carefully. People get, they're like, oh, this feels great. I think mm -hmm. I'm good now. I'm like, no, no, honey, we actually haven't even done the work. You're just have a false pretense of the fact that you feel better you know, yeah. it could be like, I do this more with low histamine diet, you know, with the histamine yeah. piece of things. I do that more readily yeah. than FODMAP. I feel like FODMAP, I like to find the like few items that are really the problem ch children yeah. and remove yeah. those and leave everything else. Yeah. You know, and I, I always have people download the Monash app because um, yes, it's a, it's a nuisance and this has to be for the right type of person, but it mm -hmm. does allow you more flexibility if you actually know the amounts of foods to be eating. Right. But like also who wants to count eight almonds? We need to find the, the root cause. Um, yeah. And and I think as I've been saying to everybody, uh, and I'm sure you say this too, like this treatment is difficult, right? Like any yeah. of this work is hard. Just yeah. because you don't feel better immediately doesn't mean you aren't getting somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, the journey is not easy and it takes a long time, whether it's getting the right diagnosis, the right root cause, right? And yeah, I mean, I'm not, I just want to go back for a second. I am not yeah. bashing Monash. I love Monash. I love yeah. all the information, right? They created the low FODMAP diet. I mean, we wouldn't have it without them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I love their green, orange, yeah. Yellow, yes. Right. Yes. So, you know, for that, that part of it or green, orange, red, green, orange, red, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I think whatever color the traffic signals yeah. are, um, you know, I think that's like the better way to do it though. If it's green, yeah. go for it. If it's red, limit it. But, you yeah. know, get to, you know, the counting is hard. Um, but yeah, sorry. That was just my aside. Cause I do. Yeah, yeah. 
no, 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 but it's right. But it's true though. And I, and they didn't create it with the intention that people would follow this forever. Right. right. They did not. They are clear right. about that. They're like, if you need this, here's how we can make it easier for you because we realize it's hard. Yeah. Um, and please don't do this forever. I yep. would say to anybody listening, follow their, um, you know, rules and regulations for it. Because I also find that every single doctor has, you know, a different sheet that they're handing out. That's like, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, this is my version. And I'm like, which version did you get of the low yes. pod map? <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. which list were you given? Um, but this takes time. Right. And I think that's yeah. important hearing from you. People get really impatient and they're yeah. like, oh, but this should be better. You know, somebody said, this needs to be better for my kid's wedding. And I'm like, ha ha, <laughs> ha ha. You know, we can put you on a low FODMAP diet for the week or two around it so that you can yeah. feel more comfortable. But um, outside of that, you need to just, the mindset piece of things is so important here. Totally. I agree. I mean, these symptoms for most people have been going on for years. There's like right. undiagnosed right? Like pathology for years. So even if you're going to decide to take an antibiotic for SIBO, that's not going to be the end all be all of your, you know, gut health journey. I totally agree. You got to be in it for the long run. You do. And so if somebody's like, okay, I'm seeing a GI doc, um, you know, I live wherever I live. How does somebody like talk to their doctor about like, you know, if they don't feel like they're getting, they love their doctor, but they don't feel like they're getting where they need to get. Like, how do we talk to, how do people talk to their practitioners or their doctors about like getting different tests or exploring different things? I feel like that's an important point to touch on. I, I think that's a great question. I think that like, you know, me and you have a relationship. I think sometimes, you know, they can ask their gastroenterologist kind of like, you know, if the GI says like, okay, well, you know, this is IBS, we've come to the end of the road, I have no more suggestions for you, then I think you can say like, okay, well, do you work with somebody that you trust, right? They're like, is there a functional nutritionist? Is there anyone else that you work with that you would recommend I see for, you know, for additional workup and, you know, kind of investigation of root cause? Um, and if they don't, which might be possible, like, especially if they work in a academic setting or, you know, whatever it is in their siloed, um, I would say then, you know, you could definitely do things like ask around on SIBO groups, ask, well, if it's SIBO, but, you know, just like look, look into like functional nutritionists, I think are an amazing, you know, asset, you know, so like ask around, ask, you know, friends that were coworkers, go to groups online and find like some reputable people near you. And then, you know, usually, you know, at Day one, you know, you have a nice long intake with that person and 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 you would work with them. And then you could ask them to talk to the GI, especially if you would yeah. want more testing done, right, um, yeah. that the GI could do. And so then you would just like work together going forward. Yeah, that's no, that's a brilliant. Thank you. That's a brilliant point. And I think some doctors are more open to collabing than others, right? So you know, look, we're all humans and we all work in the ways that work best for us, but there are plenty of practitioners out there. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways that for people to get help, but always, always you want to make sure that your person you're working with is qualified, yeah. right? Um, you know, not just an influencer on TikTok who's making like detox smoothies. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I feel like that's like also taking the nation by storm. Um, yeah. So, this is a huge part of my own journey was the dietary piece. And mm -hmm. I, I pushed it off, um, like longer than I probably should have, even though I do what I do. Right. Because I was like doing all the things, all the other things. And I, 
okay. you know, I'm not like a huge carboholic, but I do, I do in the background love sugar. And so, you know, for me, that was actually the most impactful part. Like how important is the dietary piece do you see with like bacterial imbalances, especially fungal imbalances? Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely key. I mean, there's no question because food is the number one influencer of the microbiome and microbiome. After birth, when you get your mom's microbiome, microbiome, right? Because that's literally what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, and after you know a couple things, right? Breastfeeding and like things like that. Then it's up to food. That's it. Food is like your number one microbiome, microbiome determinant. So it is so important. And so obviously, you know, it's kind of like we can talk all we want. I'm not a pediatric GI. I I wish I was in some ways because I'm like, <laughs> that's when you have to go get them, right? Like start this yeah. food journey, start start all this, like, you know, get Yum. when you're introducing solids. Um, but anyway, you know, but if you get to the point where, again, that's what you're experiencing, microbiome or microbiome issues, candida, then there's no question, again, like I said, like when you're doing the treatment, I think, you know, you don't have to change your diet too much as long as you're having a preservative-free, like processed-free, in general, like healthy Mediterranean diet. Um, but then as soon as you're done with, you know, again, like if you're doing antimicrobial, um, the herbal treatments or the antifungals, then, you know, really try to give yourself some time to reestablish this repopulated um, microbiome by cutting your carbs and increasing your proteins. And increasing your proteins doesn't mean um, only through meat, right? I mean, you can get a lot of plant-based protein. And actually, short-chain fatty acids have also been shown to help decrease candida overgrowth. So like I, you know, I, I never am like, okay, that's it. You only have to, fiber is number one, 40 grams fiber. Like that's it. No, it's fiber and protein together at the top. And that's how, you know, that's how you have to look at it. No. And I think that's really, that's really helpful. And I, I think um, it's underrated just how important the dietary piece is. And of course, for yeah. like people like me and I, you know, I feel like I'm terrible at guessing age, but like you probably will, hopefully you, you know, but us eating in the eighties and nineties, um, you know, I don't love you, mom and dad, but like, I'm not sure that I had all the, you know, the attention, the same attention as kids that, you know, we give now, I see what you feed your adorable little people on Instagram. And, um, I just feel like there's so much more attention now and it's still hard. I think kids are still overfed sugar, you know, and snacks are like all sugar. How do you get kids to eat protein? Honestly. But Um, I think there's more attention and even like the cute little squeeze bags and there's just more fiber going into the diet. And so like for moms and people who are considering, you know, having kids sometime, like start them young on whatever you can. I love like juicing for families. They say, don't drink juice, but you can do, you know, you can squeeze a lot of produce into like a little bit for a kid and get a lot of soluble fiber, right? And the soluble fiber is incredibly beneficial for the microbiome. Um, and, you know, I know there's like no juice laws out there from the, you know, Academy of Pediatrics, but we're talking about ways to get more fiber into kids' bellies. And sometimes yeah. you have to do it through a carrot juice and that's okay. You know, it's just like, however you can squeeze it in, I think it's important. And, you know, I think the take home here is like less alcohol, more fiber. Don't try not to eat too much meat. Right. Even yeah. if it feels good. And, and, you know, fungus and the whole gut bacteria imbalance, I think, you know, having patience for digging deep is important mm-hmm. and finding a practitioner who can help you get where you want to go is the other important piece. 
Um, yeah. I could, of course, talk to you all day long. Um, and I'm just, I will certainly have you come back on here if you will. Um, but in the meantime, where can everybody find you? How can they find you online or wherever you want to be found? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think the place to place to find me right now is gutlove, gutlove.com. My website is getting completely revamped. So that soon will be very, very new and improved. Um, info at gutlove.com. But any, any gut love portal way to reach me is goes, goes to me. That's me. Amazing. And I love your Instagram account. And I've been noticing that you've been doing more like, you know, educational like videos and just like so, so much good info. So make sure you go follow because um, I think that was, you know, when I was thinking about um, how I like followed you, I was so curious about you. I'm like, who is this person? Who is this person who is like talking about all these amazing things? And she's also a doctor. Like, where is she? And then you know, when I was told to go find you, I didn't realize you were like here. So anyway, but just keep following Dr. Elena, Elena Ivanina, because she's got so much information to share. And thank you so much, Elena, for being here. Um, we really are so grateful and we'll see you soon. Thank you. As always, thanks guys for listening to the Well Fuel podcast. You can catch more information on social media. Follow Isabel Smith Nutrition and of course also the Well Fuel podcast for information about how we work, what we're doing, and for all the content we have on our website, go to isabelsmithnutrition.com or you can go to LinkedIn bio in Isabel Smith Nutrition and get all the info there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned for next week's great episode.